Chegar? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Michelle Kanan, and you're listening to the Radically Selfish podcast. Radically Selfish is a movement, it's a personal revolution. And so I'm talking to women that have personally revolutionized their own lives and taken back the definition for what it means to be happy, healthy, and to do things their own way. Fuck what society tells you to do, you get to live the life that you want. Every time I see one of China Brooks posts online, I have the same reaction like, oh, my God, did she really just say that? Or damn, how did she get to the essence of that? Or like, wow, how did she think of that? That's so freaking powerful. I never thought of it that way. So when she said yes to be on this episode of the podcast, I was so excited. China Brooks is a power house. She has such an incredible perspective. She is a mentor. She does selling with soul. She teaches about power dynamics between men and women. She tells the truth of what it is. Oh, and she's an expert in human design, which is a fascinating modality that she's going to tell us all about. I'm so excited to introduce her to you if you haven't ever heard of her before. And if you have, strap in. We are going deep and getting real and talking about amazing things on the episode today. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have the very intriguing China Brooks, who I know does not like being pigeonholed. So I'm going to let her introduce herself to you and to talk about some of the amazing experiences that she's had and just what you might know her from. Hey, China. Hey, thank you for having me, Michelle. Pleasure. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, joining in. We absolutely appreciate your presence here. You know, Michelle, you and I were having this conversation about businesses and some people feeling confused by a business. What is it that you do? And you have to figure out the one thing that you do. And if a person is a sacred sexuality coach or a relationship coach, then that's their thing. Or if they help with sales and that's their thing. And I was just telling Michelle, everyone, that I, I don't really know right now. And I'm okay with not knowing because what do you do when you're really good at a lot of different things? When I was in Los Angeles and I was a successful working actor, people called me China the actor. And then when I did a YouTube channel and I made videos, it was China the spiritual teacher. And then when my Yoni Egg video went viral with 100,000 views, then it was China the Yoni Egg guru. Then I started doing sales and it was China the season known for sales. And these were all titles that I never gave myself. So I also do human design. I run a course called Selling with Spirit, and that's really one of my main things is helping people align with their great work, what it is that they really are here to do in this world and bring forward as value. What is their value and how to really create a program around that or some kind of service and an offering and then sell it from a place of love and respect for themselves and for others. That's awesome. And I was so excited to have you on the podcast. Well, for many reasons. One is that you're undefinable. And I really like that because in this day and age, it's almost like we're being forced to define ourselves or to have like a one line bio that would like express exactly like who we are. So people get us somehow, right? <laughs> it's so one-dimensional. And I get it. It's like, a confused mind doesn't buy. I get that, you know? So it's like, it's better to really offer a person one package. This is what I'm doing. This one course, this one thing. And it's much easier that way. However, like I said, like it's very one dimensional. And how do you describe yourself in one little sentence? 
So can I make you describe yourself in one little sentence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really do believe that it's helping others align with their great work and being very well paid for it. Amen. I really love that you said that. I was just, I see so much chatter. I mean, there is a lot of back and forth right now about money and about like the divisiveness of money. And also there's a lot of pushback in the healing and the personal development world around prices and value and accessibility. Do you have a point of view about that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I can understand why there's a big conversation around it. We've got like the spiritual poverty vow that's just really old and archaic, but it still resides in people's DNA, you know, and it's kind of like in society, spirituality is sometimes put last, which is, I think, very evident and apparent in how some of our systems are just falling apart, you know? So I do believe that spiritual teachers like who are really worth their salt they've got decades of practice and study behind them they've got some real skill should be very well paid however there also has to be a value for value there i understand when people are charging these higher prices for coaching packages and things like that there has to be you know some structures around it you got to have your deliverables together you got to know you know what format you're going to release it in and as some people say okay well you don't necessarily need it to be so masculine and structured and rigid. You want to have the feminine, have it be messy, have just put it out there. And I believe that a balance of both is needed, but it's always value for value. If you're going to charge a bunch, then definitely already have a bunch of one-on-ones under your belt. Know what you're doing. You got to have testimonials and results that you've already seen. Many of us did stuff for free for years just to get the practice. I mean, it's just part of what it is. But once you've done that for enough time, it's like, really, you got to get a living wage, you know? So. So what do you think about people that find it to be like elitist or that it's like they're, it's keeping a certain segment of our population from having access to these kinds of resources or transformations in their lives? That's a great conversation. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It's a wonderful question because, you know, something that I teach in Selling with Spirit is something that I was taught from some very high-end mentors, and I'm so grateful for them because it's literally a system that eradicates poverty. It gives people their dignity back. And if you utilize it, Nobody ever has to be without what they need. It's literally presenting your value to the world once you know what that is and how to package it, presenting it, and then you know receiving money for it and changing other people's lives. And anybody can be taught this system anywhere. Some of the mentors that I had, they go into some of these you know lower income cities and countries, and they actually, instead of giving people money, they teach people this system and helping them. So I really believe in, you know, teaching a man to fish rather than fishing for them. I understand that it seems elitist and, you know, I tried it the other way, to be honest with you, Michelle, I look at the concept of ascension and descension. So when you're in business, it's like you can ascend, which is you do a lower price thing, maybe $20 or whatever. And then you sell a bunch of people. You, we've all seen that meme where it's like, how many $20 things would you have to sell to get to a million? Or you can do $5,000, how many of those you have to sell to get to a million. And the process of ascension is like you start with the free stuff and then you go and you rise up that way. Or if you descend, the process is you start with the higher price clients and then you use that money to be able to afford you to create the other stuff for other people. And I tried the ascension process for like seven years, just giving and giving. When I had my money from acting, I used that for my YouTube channel. 
And that's how, what funded all the free videos. I think people don't understand that when you create a podcast, when I do YouTube videos, it's free for them to listen to, but it's not free for you. It costs you time and it costs you, you know, like time is same as energy and money. It's all currency and your attention is your currency. So yeah, I don't know. Did I answer your question? Sure. You, you started to, I mean, it is an interesting thing to talk about. I mean, but I find that a lot of the stuff that you put out is so interesting to talk about. Like I, one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show was I follow you on Facebook and you're just like always like bam with these <laughs> thought provoking posts or these things that you're sharing that I keep clicking like save because I need to go back later and like reread them. Like it keeps inspiring me and opening my mind. And so I just really wanted to have that opportunity for that. Anything that we would talk about, you would yeah. say, and I'd be like, yeah, because I never even thought about it. Like you're talking about ascension and descension. And that made me think like, oh, are you talking about funnel marketing right now? Is that like what yeah, you're- a little bit. And you know, to go back to to the conversation about money and the spiritual community, I really think that right now there's a huge shifting there. I do, I'm a grid worker and there's grids all over everything. Every city has a grid. This is energetics. You have to explain what that, what is a grid worker? Okay. So a grid worker is somebody that works with the energetics. Each person has a grid around them, has a money grid around them and buildings have grids. Even if you look at the White House and you look at that whole area of like the Pentagon, if you look at the map of it, it's like a sacred geometry shape. There's a grid over it. There's, if you notice like rich neighborhoods, they have a lot of gates and things like that. A lot of times they're gated off. There's grids around these neighborhoods. These grids can be changed. They can be shifted. And the whole financial institution is a grid. We have a financial grid. And recently, the light actually redid the grid, took it over so that the resources would begin to flow back to the true beings of light. So it's up to the individuals, though, to really stand up and charge what they're worth and give value for value so that the resources can flow to them. I believe that the spiritual beings must be rich must have assets and resources because that way it's in the right hands in the correct stewards and really they can utilize it for the highest benefit of all. Yeah. You're making me think also like about teachers being underpaid or like, mm. or who in our society has money. And through that, it demonstrates like where our values lie as well. Yes, right. Yes. Right. Very interesting. So how do people get out of that like poverty mentality or like how do people de-connect from that? Like you called it a poverty agreement. Is that what you were saying that it was? Some people call it a spiritual poverty vow. You know, it stems from just, I don't know if, if your viewers believe in reincarnation, but it stems from past lives of just, you know, they had back in the day was seen that if you were spiritual and if you were a shaman or something like that, or a yogi aesthetic, you took a vow of poverty and that spirituality was more important than having material wealth. Well, that doesn't necessarily work in the society that we currently live in right now. And things have really shifted from that. So now we have the monk in the marketplace where we need, you know, spiritual beings to be out into the marketplace and do really good business of integrity. How do people disconnect from that? Well, they have to, first of all, they have to really want it. You have to really want it. And it takes, again, attention as currency. You know, my mother said to me the other day, Michelle, and she's absolutely correct. And my mom is living the dream. She picked up and moved to this little tropical island. You know, a lot of some people will say, oh, I wish I could do that. Well, her mom actually did it. And she said that 
attention is more valuable currency than any material, any paper, any money, any material wealth, anything. And she's correct. It's all about whatever we're looking at, we're focusing on every single moment of every day. It's called intake. What blogs are you reading? What people are you listening to? What books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? You know, and that's going to shape a person's thoughts, which is then going to shape their reality. So I so, start there. So how do you get right with that? And then at the same time, counter like this belief, because I go through this back and forth where I believe exactly what you're saying, right? And I listen to like Abraham Hicks and I want to make sure that like, you know, the people that I'm surrounding myself with and why I do this podcast is so that I'm in communication with and I'm receiving information and learning and knowledge and energy that is like uplifting for me and expansive for me. But then there's all this garbage that's going on <laughs> in the world, you know, yeah. and from the other hand people that are doing that can be accused of like conveniently bypassing that kind of stuff and like having the privilege to choose to ignore it and like to not to do the work that needs to be done in those realms so how do you balance that out yeah I think this is a question for everybody I know that I have the same question and I know that all of the people that I know have the same question and it's just very common for people to look and say, well, I feel like I'm not doing enough or I need to do this or what about that? This is something that why I do what I do is to really help a person get clear on what their great work is. You know, I really believe people like Martin Luther King and others have shown us that one person really does make a difference and can make a difference. However, and this is another thing that my mother would always say to me, is that the hill you want to die on? So there's, I can only do so much, you know, and so what is it that's really my one thing? What is it that, and this again, as we're talking without pigeonholing, but a person can really go within. And this is where I really believe in meditation and I believe in you know, energization practices so that a person can be filled with their own spirit, with their own being. And then they can really see what energizes them the most. Like I really believe that each person is here for a certain purpose, like a certain kind of thing. So like, for example, if we have somebody who does, he picks up trash. So some people will be like, I don't want to pick up trash. I don't want that job. But there's somebody out there who loves doing it. And every day they pick up trash and they say hi to the neighbors, you know, and everybody knows this person and they love him. And that's, I really believe in a society where there isn't, we have a lot of distraction coming at us from the media and everything else. And that's what makes it difficult. But I believe in a society where that's not present, that each person, when they're not having to struggle for their basic needs, will be in a, they're in a state of creativity. And it becomes very clear what it is that they are here to focus on. Some people are meant to be advocates. Other people are meant to do politics. I have a very close friend that I've known since I was 12. She's very political, constantly talking about it, posting about it. She has a big following. That's her thing. So I think it's an individual discovery. I really couldn't answer that question for everybody. I can only answer it for myself. And I think you can only answer it for yourself. Yeah, the way that I think about the work that I'm doing for my clients and in my groups is about taking the political or taking what we're demanding from society and bringing it into our own day to day and into like our personal lives, right? Where if we see the change that we want out there, like if we're demanding certain things, if we want to be recognized, if we would like to be represented, if we want to have the freedom to be safe, to speak our truth, to have like laws that are protecting us, are we living in integrity with that in our 
day-to-day life like are we speaking up for ourselves in our relationships and with our families and teaching our children those things like so how do you not just sign a petition on facebook or go to a march and then come home and be like all right that's cool i did that and then just like be distracted with the news and then feel helpless again like how do you bring that change into your own personal life i love that that's fantastic you know it reminds me of relationships and something that I've heard of relationships, you probably have too. And if there's something that, you know, we feel that we're not getting from our relationships or from another person or from the world, then to look and to see, you know, where we're not giving that to ourselves. There was a quote, and I don't remember who it was by, but it said something about like, whatever you think the world is withholding from you, you're withholding from the world. So I absolutely agree with that. And it's one of the first things that I do when I feel like I'm not getting something from someone that I want. I look at myself and it's usually I'm not giving it to myself. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I learned that too. Like whenever I feel jealous of someone else, I'm like, I get triggered by someone else, like having something or living a certain way. Like it used to be that I would put my energy and attention on them and like, maybe I'd stalk them online or I would just get like weird and obsessed. But then I realized like, oh wait, I actually really want that. Like I actually just desire that so much inside myself so I can be busy with them or I can get busy with myself and figure out like, how do I do that? Like, how could I give myself access to that kind of thing? So I even reframed like jealousy for myself. I don't think it's a problem to be jealous of other people or like desirous of what other people have. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. I'm so glad that you said that because comparison, it really is the thief of joy. And I have tended to do that myself is to look at people. And then I have to remind myself though, you know, you look online and everybody's showing you what they want you to see. And it isn't real. None of it's really real. (laughs) Or they're like momentary, like slices of realness, right? right, Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean by when I say real, because we don't see the time that they cried to their friends because it's whatever it took them to get to where they are right now, or the time where they just broke down and fell apart. Or, you know, who knows the time that they had YouTube trolls coming after them. I mean, I've had it's been really great with my YouTube channel. Sometimes I get in the same day, I'll see somebody that's like, Oh my God, your work changed my life. And then there'll be another comment like, your shit sucks, you know? Like, <laughs> So yeah, I really believe in just focusing on what you can change. What can you change today? What can you change for yourself and for the people around you? I love that question. I think can it's a very- on this? I just oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm all curse all the time. And there you go. Like I've had people unfollow me or write me, you know, someone wrote me once they're like, you know, language has vibe too. And I was like, all right, well then we're just not on the same vibe, you know? And yeah, that's yeah. Totally. Okay. So no problem. We have the uh, explicit symbol on this podcast. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one question actually about how does human design help you? And for those of you, for people out there that don't know what human design is, I'd love for you to explain it more, but how does something like grid working or human design, how do those things help to answer the question of like, what can I change? Oh my gosh. So this really goes back into why I started my YouTube channel in the first place. So I've had an active sadhana practice and sadhana practice means spiritual practice, so like meditation, yoga, chanting, dance. And since ooh, it's 27 years now, and it's always been the most important and it's been centered around energization practices. Anything that really, you know, I believe that people, they're very active with their physical hygiene. They brush their teeth, they wash their hair, they shower, but then they neglect 
often the energetic hygiene, which is just as important. And literally, you know, we are energetic beings. And, you know, when you go somewhere, have you ever noticed that if you feel you walk into a room and there's somebody angry in there and then you kind of feel heavy. You walked in, you were happy, you were great. And then you walk out and then now you're angry. You just took on somebody's energy. So I teach on my YouTube channel, just all the tools and exercises I accumulated, mudras, human design, and grid works is something that I do as an energetic thing. All of these things to basically what it is about is to be embodied. A lot of, you know, quote unquote, light workers, we could call them that are spiritual beings. They're not present in their body. They want to be like, oh, I just want to live here and I'm too good for this world. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, that used to be me totally. And there's another quote by Sri Yukteswar. And he says, those who are too good to be in this world are usually adorning some other. And that's part of the issue of why we really need, I really believe that the reason why certain political structures or certain parties are in power is because they behind closed doors, they're getting together, they're in their bodies, they're going in masterminds and they're coming together and creating things. And what it takes, and you know, beings who are truly spiritual, I call us pro-humanity beings can do the same thing and utilize things that make them in their body, grounded, feet on the floor, fully present in the body. And then from that place, it's like if you're full in your body and you're really present in your body, oh man, all the answers come to you. You connect with the earth, you connect with nature. So, and I use these tools, human design is one of them. So we'll get into human design now. I'm not really big on systems. I really, when I first heard about human design, I was like, I don't know. It sounds like another system culty thing. I don't know, a little new agey, whatever, right? And I really was pushing against it. The thing about it is, is that, you have to practice it in order to get anything out of it. It's not like one of those spiritual books that you can just read and put it away and be like, whatever. No, you have to literally live it. You have to experiment with it. And so I started, I was like, let me give you a shot. And the next thing I knew, like my life got so much better. Now I'm in a phase now right now where somebody sent me a really great video by a professor in Stanford about categorization and being careful about categorization. So I'm a little careful about you know, with human design, getting like super into it as the end all, the be all. However, it's like a tool in a box. You pick it up when you need it. So right? can you explain what it is to people? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So human design was created by a man named Ra Uruhu, and he used to be an advertising executive in Los Angeles, which is another reason why I really connected with it because I used to be a working actor in Los Angeles, successful working actor. So he left that scene, totally understand why, and then went off to Ibiza, was like homeless for a while, traveling about, and he came across this voice, and which basically gave him the human design system. And there's drawings, and it's very connected to the I Ching, to DNA, and to there's energetic circuits, meridians in the body. So what it is, it's like a graph of the body, starting with the crown, which they call the Ajna on the chart, and then the head, and then the throat center, and then the G center, which is like a diamond. And that's the center from which everyone magnetizes. You magnetize everything. Then you have for the sacral and then the root at the bottom. And then off to the one side is like the heart. And then there's also the solar plexus and the spleen. So the human design system is based on aura. It's about energy. And this is why I like it because I'm all about, I love energy and manipulating energy positively. 
So I believe that everything starts on the energetic plane, on the astral, on the energetic plane, and then it manifests in the physical, right? So if you can change the energy, this is why I love, I'm such an advocate for energetic hygiene. So the human design system is based on, there's like five auric types. There's a manifesting generator, projector, reflector, and a manifester. This yeah. one messed me up because I was like, always like, oh, I'm a manifester. Like, cause I just, I can want something and it happens. But then I did my human design chart. I was like, wait, I'm a generator. Like, what does this mean? Like I just got, <laughs> I messed up my identity. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's why I'm a little wary of the whole categorization thing, you know, because I don't want somebody to go, well, I'm a generator now. So that means I can't manifest or I can't, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know about that. So actually somebody did say, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it said that. I don't think that Ra, when he downloaded the information, that he categorized it into those actual auric types, that he just did the system without the auric types. So some people use human design with the auric types, and some people use human design without the auric types. So they just go by the chart and the different gates and the activations. So why would somebody get their human design chart read? Or like, why would somebody want to understand this information about them? Well... I find it to be very useful as a study in psychology, also to really understand how a person works, what their purpose is. The chart really gives a huge epiphany of what their great work is, what they're here for, the way that they process information, the way that they feel, the kind of environment that they thrive the most in, the kind of eating habits that will help them thrive the most feel the most energetic. So for example, I am a manifester. And for that auric type, we are meant to, there's what's called a strategy and authority. And so if everybody listening, if you want to get into human design and you're new to it, I would recommend number one, studying your auric type. But then after that, you really need to know your strategy and authority. And if you don't have those down, and I mean like you're living them, you're experimenting with them day to day, you're practicing it then there's really no point in moving on to trying to figure out the rest of the chart. You're just going to be very confused. So that's what I did is for years, I literally just was on my strategy and authority and it has literally changed my life. So what I love about human design is that it really, at the core of it, it's about not using the mind to make decisions. Sounds crazy to some people. However, Sounds the mind, awesome. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, not using the mind to make decisions because the mind is very linear. It wants to protect you. It's trying to categorize everything. If this person does this or says this, then it must mean that. It's like two plus two equals four. It's trying to do that for you. Put everything into a box. But that, what that does is it keeps us in this limited possibility scope. Whereas the universe and life itself and manifestation is infinite possibility. So it's something that you want to create. And we think it needs to come from this one person or this one thing because we're trying to use our mind to figure out how it can get there. And I don't see how it can get there. Well, there are an infinite amount of ways that your good can come to you. You can win it. Somebody can give it to you. You can inherit it. You can sell it, sell for it. You can, whatever it is, who knows? And if you just do the mind, you're going to limit yourself. You're going to cut off from all that magic, that synchronicity, you know, that feminine, that feminine juice, right? So human design is really about not using the mind, but using the body. Are you sacral defined? 
you're making me like one of the things that you said before that made me really nod my head was like, oh, and I spent years going into this. And I really wanted to highlight that because, well, I'm going to talk to you later about my human design chart. You're like opening. I have a lot of questions for you that we don't have to go through on this podcast for everyone. But I really value what you said, because in our culture and our society today, like people want the answer right away. They want a quick fix right away. Like they want to know right away. They want to see the transformation right away. <laughs> and I'm just hearing you talk as an expert and as a guide that has invested a lot of time and <laughs> a lot of energy and dedication into your craft and into your tools and into your own process. And that's so freaking important because to circle back to what we were talking about before where people get frustrated about like well that person's charging so much money there's so many people out there without qualification that like did one reiki course or that like had their own <laughs> transformational journey and now they're like an expert for some reason and now they're going to charge like thousands and thousands of dollars for some reason without like any certifications or like any deeper work or without working with like countless teachers getting all of the knowledge and skills and experience and certifications and working with the clients. And I just wanted to honor that in you, you know, that you're not that kind of person. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I understand how people feel when they're like, yeah, when they're dealing with other people who really are, they haven't had the kind of experience, you know, and they want to charge a lot. It makes the rest of us look bad and kind of leave some people scarred and wounded. And I totally understand that. And, you know, that's not me though. Yeah. I, I don't even know how much money I've put into what I've done. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, time, energy, and it's not overnight, but you know, people wanted, they're like, I'm meditating, but I'm not getting the big realizations. They want like these experiences. And I'll tell you, I've had those experiences and I've gifted those experiences. The reason being is though, I'm not lusting after results for them. For me, it's a lifestyle. I'm committed. And that's when I see the most results. <laughs> so how do you rectify that with like, you know, if someone's going to invest a lot of money in something, they want to see results. Like they want to know what they're going to get from it. Like how does somebody like feel or make that kind of commitment and also with like their investment in a program and at the same time detach themselves from having a result? Because I can even see how knowing the outcome that you want based on what you were saying a few minutes ago, even that could be limiting, right? Because that outcome comes from the mind or it's developed when that person is like, it still hasn't like expanded or still hasn't transcended or is still like, they don't even know how much greater or bigger, or like what else could be out there for them. Right. right. So yeah. How can people on the one hand, like want a result and let go of the result at the same time? I mean, that's a trick, you know, and it's, I like to do this or something better. And there are sometimes I even have my own things where I'm still even now so tight on it. There's some things that I am like, oh, it's cool. And I let it go and it comes right away. And there's other things I'm like, I really want it. You know, and it's just like, it's not coming. And it's a process of just softening. I think working with the subconscious mind, I have several processes that I take my clients through to help them remove the, any blocks in the subconscious mind, because we have the conscious mind, we have the subconscious mind. And really the conscious mind is only responsible for a very small amount of the manifestation and the subconscious mind, which is accessible through dream state and meditation and theta brainwave state. And that's why visualization during like listening to a theta, a recording, and then visualizing during that is so powerful as well, as well as sex magic and other tools like that. But really like working to remove some conscious mind blocks. I like to use, there's a process, there's Bashar and he has this 
process. It's called the Shar Beliefs. It's an exercise. And you go through it and you ask yourself, do I believe that I can have dot, dot, dot in 20 years? And then it's either a yes or a no. You'll know right away. And if it's a yes, then you go, okay, then you ask in 10 years. But with my current set of beliefs, do I believe with my current belief system, current set of beliefs, do I believe that I can have dot, dot, dot in 20 years, 10 years? You go all the way down, right? Until you hit a block. Maybe your block's at five years or maybe it's at one month. Now, we're not trying to get it all the time down to like today or in an hour or right now. Sometimes there's a process you might want to go through. You know, like, do you and I believe that we'll finish this podcast in 30 minutes? No, because we want to have our time together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, sometimes you may, there's relationships you want to formulate. There's a process you want to go through to get to the thing. And that's part of what's so delicious is the process is fun. So sometimes you get the thing and it's like there, but what was really the most fun was the creating of it, you know? So you do that process. And when you find your blocks, because you're going to find some blocks to why you think you can't have it, that's what's going on in your subconscious. Then I like to use EFT to tap that out. So these are some of the processes that I take my people through that just kind of eases things up. I also find that when a person is taking as much action as they can, like they're really, like you get aligned, you do your energization practices every day, you get aligned with yourself, and then you take as much action as you can, you let it go it's easier to let it go because you're like, I've done what I can and you let it go. So other than that, it's just a process of continually easing up and you might get tight and then you just ease up. You get tight, you ease up. It's okay. All right. So tell me how you know when you've done enough because I know I fall into that trap with myself like where I'm just like, but I could do one more thing. I could send one more email. I could like contact one more person. I could like learn one more thing. Like when do you know it's enough? Well, interestingly enough, this is where I would circle back to human design. And because for your type as a generator, you know, according to the human design system, you've got the sacral motor and the difference between your energy system, mine as a manifester and yours as a generator is that I don't have a sacral motor. So you have an energy that is pretty consistent, which is why you're able to do this podcast. It's not fireworks. You're not like, pew. Now, sometimes you see some of my posts or something I come out with and it's like fireworks, you know, but I don't go like, you wake up, you kind of have this every day. It's like consistent kind of energy. Yeah, you might be tired sometimes, but it's like more, like I said, consistent, sustainable kind of energy. Generators are the builders. You guys build things out. You guys are the sustaining energy. The manifestors can, like they initiate things, they catalyze things, but I don't have that sustaining energy. So your enough is going to be different than my enough. So like for you, and also too, when you're with child and you're carrying a child, that your enough is going to be different than, you know, and when you have your baby, your enough is again going to be, it's going to change all over again. So generators are supposed to literally like just keep going until they tire out. They can keep going, but manifestors are supposed to go to bed before they get tired. So I would say, you know, it really also depends on what you've got going on hormonally as well. And, you know, what's going on in your environment and in your body. So how do you know when enough is enough? I literally, you know, that's why meditation is so great. Every day before, you know, I look at what I'm meant to do for the day. And I focus to me like a business. If a business doesn't have money, there is no business. So I'm constantly asking myself, you know, where's the money? And looking at what are the most lucrative, you know, things that I can do? Whose life can I change today? you know, like who can I help today? And I write that down 
And then I just do the things there. And that has to be enough. Or I will drive myself crazy. I will never sleep. <laughs> How do you know when enough is enough? Well, I've been in my own process for many years now with many teachers and doing many different kinds of things with myself. And I had a session with one person because with one of my teachers who teaches a somatic healing modality in mm. Germany. And she taught me a very beautiful and powerful lesson about balance. And I had this concept of balance looking a certain way or being a certain way that like balance would need to be quiet or balance would need to be like somebody who's able to be Zen or meditating in a corner, or just having like a kind of peace or equilibrium. But what she taught me about balance, which I love very much, is that you can have that kind of equilibrium even if you have a super high high and then a super low low. You know, it's just a law of averages, right? How does it balance out in the middle? And so she taught me that energetically I'm like a sun. So when I rise, I am bright and I'm burning and I'm nourishing and helping everything grow and it's, I'm out there. But then when that sun sets, that sun sets <laughs> and it's dark and the world sleeps. And that was such a great analogy for me. And it just helped me learn so much about myself that I didn't have to be more quiet or I didn't have to be more peaceful or I didn't have to be any one way that I was conceptualizing myself or what that kind of balance looked like. It's just mm -hmm. how do I find it in myself and align with my energy and my gifts and how I do things in that kind of way. So what you explained about generators, it really resonates for me mm -hmm. too. I love that. Thank you. I really do believe that. I agree. You know, it's an individual thing. For some people, they'll need that Zen and other people, they won't. You know, some people like sitting meditation. Some people need a dance meditation. They need to get up and be moving. And that's just what it is for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, so I, important what you're saying. I think play and fun is super important too. You know, it's like, I find for me, I could do the work all day long and do my stuff to align my energy to manifest. But if I'm not playing, I got to set it and forget it. I got to like do the work and then go off and play and have fun. And it's in those moments when I've completely forgotten about it because I'm living my life and I'm having fun and I'm like talking with people and having discussions like this, then my stuff pops up. All yes. in all manifested, right? <laughs> yes. yes for, and for my clients too. I love that when I'm like really taking care of myself, when I take a break, when I go to the sauna, when I'm like having fun with friends and like I'm feeling really great. And then I'll start getting messages from my clients like, guess yes. what just happened? And I'm like, yes, yes. exactly, oh exactly. God, exactly. Same with my clients. So they'll be like, this miracle just happened, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, exactly right. The more I take, I feed myself, nourish myself energetically and love on myself and my clients do the same thing. And I think that really speaks back to like coming all the way back to this whole radical selfishness concept of, you know, what happens when women or nurturers like really nurture themselves and really when we take care of ourselves, how just naturally the energy that we create and the abundance that comes from it, like how it just overflows like to everyone in our sphere, to everyone around us. And we can get so scared that doing those things is, you know, of course, selfish or that it's taking from others or that we're like deprioritizing or that we're sucking out in a certain way and, um, and depleting, but it's only through nourishing ourselves in that kind of way that you don't even have to do anything for other people. It would naturally happen for other people. Because you are the sun then. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're just shining. You are the sun <laughs> and you're nourishing people in all that you do. And even in all that you don't do. You know, it's even, I find the more when I do the self-care practices, then I'm just so energetic. I'm so vibrant. 
and just other people being in my energy, it does something for them, you know? And the more energetic and vibrant I am, the greater influence I have, the more positive influence I have with people because I'm aligned. And I find that that's really what people are the most interested in is being around somebody who's aligned. That's what people really want to pay for. They want to pay to be in the presence of somebody who's aligned because it helps them get into alignment. And if we have a bunch of aligned people, that's where it's at. Absolutely. So, okay, how do we convince all of the listeners out there? How do we get everybody on board we're talking about? What's one thing that they can do today or when they hear this podcast to like really nourish themselves or to get into alignment with themselves? How do they do it? Oh gosh, what's one thing? Just one. Just one. (laughs) What would you say? What's your one? Well, based on what you said, I'd say go play, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You know, I want to ask you, and not to answer a question with a question, I do have an exercise that I'll give a little bit later, but what do you think about pleasure? Oh, well, I am all about that. Ah, your face. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the root of the work that I teach, what I love to do with women is just to teach them how to tap into their desire and pleasure is so intrinsically linked up with that, right? Like the motivation for everything that we do in this life is built on what is it that we want? You know, so anything that we want out there, we want it because it'll make us feel a certain way. And that feeling is good somehow, right? Like whatever that goodness means. And, and that's how we know what to seek out. That's what we go after. Even if it's something that's logically like, why do I do that? That's bad for me because it's triggering some kind of pleasure receptor inside of us. And that is what is the motivational force that is causing us to make our decisions or to go into certain relationships or take certain jobs or say yes, when we really mean no, or like vice versa. So back to the whole alignment thing, right? Like how do you get in alignment with your desires? Like how do you get also get in alignment with your inner guidance system so that you can really hear the truth of what it is that you want and trust yourself as a guide to go after those things instead of, well, is it my voice? Is it my mom's voice? Is it like society's voice? Like how do you connect with your truth and then go after the pleasure that you want in your life and the desire that you want in your life? Mm. Are you asking me how I do it? It's a rhetorical just, just, question, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that would be the way that we're living. Like that's, you're talking about how we tap into our motivations, you know, for just like for our work, like how do we find work in our life that gives us purpose. That's my sole purpose in working with women is teaching them how to cut out this way that we like give away our power by listening to others as an authority and being guided by what, you know, a fucked up system is teaching us like how to behave just so that things all stay the same. Like how do we re-empower ourselves by getting clear on what it is that we want and then trusting those things that we say that we want and really going after them and through that journey, cracking apart those systems, cracking apart those expectations, like cracking apart those limitations on us. And I think that's how we're going to really rebuild and healed and heal. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it brings it right back to human design and what you were talking about is looking at the inner authority So I'm wondering what your inner authority is. Mine is I'm very splenic run. And what, again, what I love about the human design system is again, it helps you to not make decisions with the mind, but with your body. So I believe at each and every moment, you know, it literally talks about using what's your inner authority, which for you could be sacral. So if a generator is a sacral inner authority, you make decisions. If I say something to you, you're going to go, uh-huh or uh uh-uh. 
Like either you feel it in your body. See, you just shook your head. Yes. Just like that. That this is what I do with my clients is I help them get into their body and listen to their body wisdom. It's also called intuition, womb wisdom. The body is, will tell you, and this is why it's so important for a person to be in their body, grounded, rooted by whatever means necessary, dance, whatever it is that they can do to help them get into their body because the body is a gift and it will give us the answers. It's here to protect you. Absolutely. Everybody listening, your body is here to protect you and it will give you all the answers that you need. In any given moment, when you're present in your body, when you're tuned into it, it will tell you whether or not it wants you to move towards something or away from it. And I, moment to moment, I listen to my body. When you asked me to do this podcast, I don't think about it with my mind. My body said, it got tingly, I say yes. So with me, my body, if it's a yes, I get tingly. If it's really a yes, like my whole body goes off like a gong. It's like orgasmic when it's really a yes. And when it's a no, I'm either just flat, it's like nothing, or sometimes when it's really no, I feel nauseous. And I have learned a lot of times we will bypass intuition. We will bypass this body wisdom to go for the logical thinking. And then we go into something that we should have said no to. And at the end, we're like, why did I do that? I literally took seven years to retrain myself to where I go strictly by my body. If my body says do it, I do it. If it says don't, I don't. And I don't question it. At the time, I might be like, really? And then later on, I'll be like, oh my God, you just kept me from so much suffering. The body will keep you from suffering, which is aligned with the intuition. It's the internal GPS system, but you have to listen. I feel like we could talk forever and a day, which means I'm going to have to have you <laughs> yeah. back on, on another episode. <laughs> I feel like we talked about so many things and our listeners are just going to have so much information to digest. So I'm absolutely going to make sure to link to your website, to your YouTube channel on the show page. So is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with a thought, an idea, a reminder, like anything that is really resonating for you that you learned lately? Well, just briefly, because I did say that I would give this exercise and yes. I like to keep my word Please. or not give it all. So it's, you guys can go to my YouTube channel. It's the go exercise. I'll send you the link to it. Maybe you want to, it's literally this process of finding out it's super easy and so much fun of figuring out over the course of a week, what energizes you and what drains you. But the purpose is so that you know what energizes you the most. This is about pleasure. And you can create your life around that. Knowledge is power. And what you, once you know what really energizes you in your life, you don't have to push out the other stuff that you don't want. You literally can just put your attention on the stuff that you do like, the stuff that does energize you, and then there'll be no room for anything else. And I've used this for years. And this is how I create my life. And it's just been a, a lifesaver. Awesome. Yummy things like this. Perfect. Yes, this is an excellent thing for you to share. I know that everyone's going to be super curious and super excited to get a taste of your work. And so thank you for doing your work. Thank you for finding ways to offer it for free or to like let people find you and what you're doing in a really easy way. And I'm so happy that you took the time to talk with me. I learned a lot. I have a lot to digest from this conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm going to listen in again. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to need to schedule a human design session with you. Absolutely. So awesome. great. All Thank right. you. My pleasure, China. Thank you so much for joining for this episode and everyone that's listening, make sure you check out the show page for more info and how 
to find China and all her amazing tools. Hey. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. If this episode awakened something in you or inspired you in some way, please leave a rating and a quick and easy review. And of course, share it with someone that you love too. We'll see you next time where I'll be talking to another incredible woman who's doing her damn thing because, well, if you don't do you, then who will? Stay blessed, everyone.